Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. Thanks for being with us today. I'm Leanne Dolan. I'm the youngest sister. I'm a writer. I'm a producer. I love the color blue. I've always loved dogs. And my favorite thing to do on a rainy day is read a book. <laughs> What's that all about? Why the it's, detail? Wow. It's our, Whoa. It's our, our is that in the script? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get that script. It's our special sense of self show today on Satellite Sisters. So I thought I would toss in a few more details all about Leanne. Julie, how about you? Well, welcome to the show. I'm Julie. I'm in Dallas and I'm stumped. I didn't know we had to do this. Maybe, maybe a little ticked that I didn't get that get the memo about it. But I'm happy. I guess I'm happy to be here with you. Okay. That's that's me today. There you have it. Liz? Okay, this is Liz. I'm in Santa Monica. I'm I'm going to say a middle sister, but not the middle sister. Uh, more on that later when I talk about sense of self. And I'm just going with that, Leanne. Anything else you want to know? Well, I do want to have a question of the day because uh-huh. um, it's one we get asked all the time. It's um, about si- sibling rivalry. So I just want to ask you, Julie, and you, Liz, did you ever want to be any of the other siblings? Any of your brothers, sisters, did you ever have any like jealousy, like want to be them? Joel, what do you think? Are you kidding? No. That's <laughs> just my answer. Are you kidding? I'm the number no, one sister. I'm in the number one position. I was the first girl born in the family. I mean, why would you give that up? Okay. Never. Okay. 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 Liz? <laughs> My answer would also be no. I'm not trading my position for anyone. Julie, I mean, as the oldest sister, you also had to fight the good fight against the older brothers. We didn't have to do that because you because you were doing that. And we've always said that one of the reasons we we work well together as sisters now as grown-ups is because we're interested in each other's lives, but we definitely don't want each other's lives. You know? Correct. Yeah. I am not interested in being any of my sisters, though I do enjoy the lives uh, you sisters have created for yourselves. <laughs> how, about, how about you, Leon? No, I did not want to be uh, any of my older siblings as the youngest of eight kids. I, You guys were great, um, but I like... I, I, I like to know, we don't even really remember you, Leanne, <laughs> or your childhood. You were left home a lot, Leanne. I guess, I guess you enjoyed that. TV dinners on a snack tray. I did. 
I did enjoy it. All right. Today is the second of five special episodes that we're doing here at the end of 2023, where we're going to explore what we call the Satellite Sisters Uncommon Senses. And these are the basics of the Satellite Sisters worldview, the senses that really guide you through everyday life. We wrote a book in 2001 called Satellite Sisters Uncommon Senses. Sometimes we go back to that material and we're surprised, like still really holds up. So we thought we would do it not in book form, but in podcast form today, something that we've never done before. And the five senses are the sense of connection, sense of self, sense of humor, sense of adventure, and sense of direction. Now, on last week's Satellite Sisters podcast, Julie did a beautiful job explaining the sense of connection and why we consider it the most important sense. If you haven't listened to that podcast yet, we encourage you to do so. That's the live show we taped at our big fun weekend in Minneapolis. uh, And you'll get to the sense of connection material about 20, 25 minutes into the show. It's I don't know. I laughed. I cried. And I was yes. there. And I still laughed and cried. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so today on the show, Liz is going to give us her uh, thoughts on how she developed her own sense of self. And then we're going to talk about a few other things. You bet we are going to talk about birth order mm. and what can happen, how we fall into uh, certain personality traits to based on our birth. Julie, you learned a very important lesson growing up, had to do with a pork chop. You're going yes, to yes, explain there that. Is, it's a life lesson involving a pork chop. Yes, stay tuned. <laughs> Liz, what's great about you is that you have not changed. And we're going to talk about that. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, that's you, you think that growth, life, it's all about change. Well, apparently not. No, I think there are just something. My sense of self is so strong, Leon, that in ways, I'm no different than I was 25 years ago or 45 years ago. So there you have it. And then at the end of the show, we're going to review some of uh, review some of our personal great fashion forward moments and the most influential music. So I can't wait. Sit back. Enjoy this sense of self. Liz, Liz, kick us off. Okay. All right. Let me take this away. I gave this a lot of thought when we originally wrote the book and in the past few weeks as I've been thinking about this. And you know, One question you hear a lot when you grow up in a big family is, now, which one are you? And you hear that a lot, surprisingly. And, you know, teachers, doctors, coaches, you know, they might know that I was a Dolan, but which which Dolan are you? And so it's my theory that being asked to answer this question from a very young age actually makes you think more about the answer, to, Mm -hmm. to work on it a little bit. Because most, like if you're an only child or in a small family, people are not always asking you to define yourself. So here's what I would have said, you know, when I was younger. I am the fourth child of eight. I am the second girl. I am a middle child. But as Sheila constantly reminds me, and she has done so on the show, I'm not the middle middle. Uh, Sheila is child number five and girl number three insists she's both the middle of the eight and the middle of the five girls. So this very mid- this middle, middle identity seems super important to her and not the least bit important to me. So, okay, fine. I guess I'm not really middle. I'm middle enough for me. Anyway, you know, when we were young, we all shared everything, our clothes, our rooms, our friends, our mother did enjoy dressing us alike. I think that was mainly to keep track of us. Uh, When we were in big groups, she could always count the girls in the polka dot dresses. But we also, we took the same buses to school. And we were told many times 
when we first started Satellite Sisters as a radio show, your voices all sound alike. Which, which, by the way, is not true if you just pay attention to uh, really the voices and use a few context clues, people. So I don't mean to judge you, but not so alike. But anyway, um, so because there's this tendency to be lumped together, I think there's a natural instinct as we each developed to sort of push back against that and to work on traits or interests that that made us unique. So later in life, in my marketing career, I learned that there's a name for this, sisters. It's called product differentiation. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I think we all, in our own ways, just naturally worked on our product differentiation uh, when we were younger. But as a tween, I just knew that I needed to work on what made me different than my brothers and my sisters. So here's the good news about being in a big family. Um, no one is paying attention, right? Mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah. Just, there is simply too much going on for anyone to notice that one month you're thinking you would like to be a botanist, and the next month you're thinking mm, Supreme Court justice. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> and remember, this was the era when there had never been a female Supreme Court justice. So, just a note to the Satellite Sisters Next Gen. That was not that long ago. So pay attention, stay alert. Uh, just, just, uh, just a, a small warning. Anyway, in in college, I had four different majors, and I'm certain really? that yes, I didn't know that. See, nobody pays attention. <laughs> it didn't really didn't matter, Julie, did it? But I'm certain if you asked mom and dad at my graduation what my major was, they would not have known. Uh, so. But it which doesn't is, Which is funny. Yes. Which is funny to today's parents. <laughs> yes. And for the record, it was comparative literature, which also has the advantage of being totally vague anyway. <laughs> Nobody knows what that is. So that was fine with me. Uh, yeah. You read things and you compare them. And I think back and that pretty much describes big chunks of my business career, too. So there you go. Comparative literature. But. I believe the general lack of scrutiny during our childhoods allowed for some eh, like low-risk adolescent identity experiments that paid off in adulthood, right? There was just some testing, some trying, yeah. and I think that's good. Nobody held you responsible for if you said, like, this is what I want to do, like a month or two later, you had to keep doing that because nobody was listening in the first place. So, <laughs> so I reflect back and I think, I think that may be what also gave me a certain fearlessness that was sort of a hallmark of my career, mm -hmm. that I changed careers and industries as often as I changed majors. And because Finding your path, your sense of self, doesn't mean that path doesn't wind through many different worlds. And for me, it always did. And so when people said, wait a minute, you're really quitting your job running marketing at Nike to start a talk radio show with your sisters? Uh, I said, yes, I am. Yes, that <laughs> <laughs> that is what I am doing. Yeah, yes, I am. And and here we are 23 years later. Can you believe it? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so Satellite Sisters has been a winding path for all of us, that's for sure. But it's also been a way for each of us to express what makes us the same, but also importantly, what makes us different. And mm -hmm. that that's the way I feel about sense of self. It's just like you, you differentiate yourself within this community. And that's what's made Satellite Sisters so fun and generally my life.
So there you have it. Does anything here ring a bell, sisters? <laughs> anything sound familiar? Well, for me, certainly, this is Land. I'll identify myself uh, as the youngest sister. The idea that no one was paying attention was really true for me. And I, I have very vivid memory of the first dinner I had with mom and dad when Brendan, the brother oldest to me, had gone to college. So it's honest, I was 16. I was a sophomore in high school. For sure, the first time I had ever eaten dinner alone with my parents, right? <laughs> ever in my entire life. I was the only one at the dinner table. And literally, mom and dad looked at me and they started asking me questions like, who are your friends? And what are you taking in high school? And I was like, hey, that seems like a lot of information. <laughs> I've just been totally fine up to this point, taking care of all that business myself. So there was a lot of coverage and nobody really paying attention. And yeah. I do think as a parent, sometimes I pay too much attention to my children. I was very conscious of that was when they were growing up, like stop paying attention to them. <laughs> so, I think there's a parenting it. book in that. You land. know, Liz, I was thinking, yes. Yeah. I mean, it may be a different time. I'm not sure. But I was also thinking about the winding path that you said, you know, your career and changing your majors and jobs and doing different things. You know, I, you know, I, you may not even remember this because you probably weren't paying attention. But at one point, I was a career counselor. I had that as a job title. And, you know, not everybody has like one of those linear paths in their right. career. You know, and you, I think, have what is known as a spiral car career path, Liz. Uh, oh, okay. Which is you spiral. No, this was an area for you. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Where you spiral around, okay, and you widen your skills and new experiences, and it's not some big through line. But there is, of course, a through line. But, but it is not as linear as if you had just one area of expertise, such as marketing or something mm -hmm. like that, that you have, rather than have some linear career that way, you've been more spiral spiraling. That's what I think. I don't know. In some contexts, when you say I've just been spiraling my whole career, <laughs> it doesn't sound no, it's a legitimate. It's a legitimate organizational behavior theory now, Liz. Okay. Read about okay. I'm, I'm thank you, Julie. Thank but you. But I think it's important. Lynn, did you ever know that Julie was a career counselor? I, you know what, I, I, I didn't. No, I can't. <laughs> I can't say that I did. I'm not I'm surprised not. though. She likes giving advice, so there you go. She's very, yeah. You know, Liz, though, you're a lot more than your career. I think too. Oh, yeah. No, and that's yeah. You know that you have a wide interest and things like that for a variety of reasons. So, um, and you're a good test taker, Liz. We can say that about you. Good family <laughs> test taker. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think that there, I think when you talk to people, they, they imagine that growing up in a big family, it's just one sort of homogeneous mass. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would say that in all of our individual experiences, but in the same family, it can turn out to be just the opposite of that. You're actually, you really, there's a lot of incentives to make yourself different, and which I think really paid off for me in the end. To make yourself different, but also to make yourself, uh, to relieve you of being the pressure of best all around. Oh, true. Yeah. Right? Oh, because good way to think about it. Yeah. yeah, because none of us were that good at everything. So, uh -huh. we, but, so we really honed in on like, Okay, this is these are the two or three things. As you said, specialization, product yeah. differentiation, like these are the things I'm really good at. And I see that with kids today, like 
I, I'm amazed that these kids get through high school and they're, you know, they're 4.3 students and they're, you know, track athletes and they're on the debate team and, you know, they play the cello. I'm like, what? So much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Too much. Wow. Can't one of Too your much. other siblings do that? No, I guess not. <laughs> but Every yeah. <laughs> One or two of those things is plenty, as our mother would have said. So <laughs> so there's that. You differentiate, yeah. but you don't need to be the best all around. I think that's a key point, Leanne. <laughs> all right, Liz, thank you. That's that's great. It was great to hear uh, hear your thoughts on that. Okay, when we come back, what Julie learned from a pork chop, we're going to discuss uh, the immutable laws of Liz. And also, I got my DNA results from Ancestry.com, speaking of sense of self. So now okay. I know. Are where... you about to tell us you're not really related to us? Is that happening? <laughs> Are oh, you splitting shoot. from the family? You're, you're moving on? Shoot. That would have been a good tease. <laughs> Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm -hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting <laughs> rave reviews. Leanne, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. I, do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Leon Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you, you're the boss. I'll take it. <laughs> you tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leon's. Okay? And I'm I'm using it. Pros mm -hmm. isn't just better for you. It's also better for the planet, Liz. They're certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. So, Pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos, too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we, we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life, aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSisters at oseamalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? 
more moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. <laughs> in no their kidding. skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Oh. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the mega moisture duo. Yes. You can you can literally see your skin get firmer. And it just delivers <laughs> this full body glow. Okay, you know we have raved about the Andaria Algae Body Oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria Collagen Body Oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz. A youthful yeah. glow is going to happen. <laughs> and it's a, infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself (laughs) because you're worth it. (laughs) That's that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code Sad Sisters. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSISTERS at oseamalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. We're back. This is our Sense of Self show for the last five shows of of this year. We're going to be talking about the Satellite Sisters' Uncommon Senses. This is sense number two, Sense of Self. Uh, We did write a book called Satellite Sisters' Uncommon Senses uh, that 20 years ago. So some of the fun of this exercise has been revisiting the things we thought and believed 20 years ago and seeing how they've changed or how they have not changed. All right, Julie, one of the essays you wrote in the book, which was one of my favorites, is called Things Don't Always Divide Easily Into Eight. Right, Leanne, thanks. Well, you know, growing up as one of eight, um, there were daily lessons about setting low expectations for shared resources. I think, right? You, you, you name it. You weren't going to get it. You needed a pencil? Well, forget it. There was only one. So seven people were going to be out on that. Like you needed a clean sheet of paper to do your homework? Again, forget it. So the simple math would tell you that the things don't evenly divide into eight. Right. I mean, I was always envious of friends that, you know, had a nice small family and, you know, that you'd go over there and the mother would just cut that piece of pie in two. You know, that was <laughs> nice. You know, And that when it happened. And I had a very distinct childhood memory, a memory of one night, you know, it was all of us sitting around the kitchen table. Mom had made my favorite meal, was, which was pork chops and mashed potatoes and green beans. And there was, for some reason, there was one extra pork chop and I was hun- hungry. And it was sort of a face-off. I don't know if you even remember this, Liz, between you and our brother Dick and about who was going to get the remaining pork chop because it was going to be impossible to split it up. Okay. I, I, surprisingly, I do not recall. I've... Okay. You were the closest to the pork chop and that was your power position. So keep that in mind. Oh, okay. Of course, our brother Dick, next in line to me, um, you know, he was making some argument about growing boys. They need more mm. nutrition. Mm. You know, I was going with the good girl argument, like I had set the table, so I deserved the pork chop. Okay, no, that did not work. Okay. All right. But whether it was one remaining pork chop uh, w- that you were trying to divide between three siblings 
or anything else in the house, like the one typewriter. That's right. Before computers, there were typewriters. The TV, who got to control the TV? Hmm. Or later on, the car, right? The station. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, that was only the older kids got the car. The younger four got a single moped to share. Honest. That's a true story. <laughs> okay. Shared one moped, four summer jobs. <laughs> See what I'm talking about? Low expectations for the shared resources. Okay. So I wrote about this 20 years ago in the book that you really learn, you know, without even really being conscious of it, uh, that you weren't really entitled to anything in a big family, right? That yeah. it just, you know, you, that was just not going to happen. And I recently went to my high school reunion, which was the same school that Liz went to. It's a small Catholic school with a, but that what was, what I think was remarkable about the school, it had, like in my class, and I presume in Liz's class as well, there was a very high percentage, maybe 40% of my class were uh, were students that came from very large Catholic families. I'm talking five, six, eight, 10, 12, okay? And what, what struck me about going back to the reunion, you know, after so many years was... One of the things is that many people in my class have had, uh, you know, a hard, a hard time, a very difficult life. And I was, you know, realizing that there, when you're one of like 10 kids, there's no big generational wealth transfer. You know, even if you're, even if the parents had been comfortable, it wasn't like you can like split up that pot of money into, you know, into 10, no, no right? Ten so, workshops. No. Yeah, right. I mean, the denomination matters. Okay. That's really, that's where the real struggle is. And so, but, and I looked around at the, the people that were financially successful in my high school class were ones that had worked for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That again, that had earned their own money, that had made their own success in life. So, you know, I think about this essay and I think about expectations and about privilege, you know, and now 20 years later, as I reread this essay, I mean, we all have a lot more living under our belt and, you know, mm-hmm. we've all seen a lot more of the world and how really most of the world lives. And I think, you know, we've also all in the last in the last decade or, or longer have really thought about you know, our own privilege in the world. Um, And it just, you know, it made me think about this, that I'm grateful that we had, we had the childhood we had, that we learned that things aren't always fair, you know, uh, you know, as I think it was my brother Dick, our brother Dick that got the pork chop. I'll just (laughs) spill the beans on that. But, you know, but I think it has helped to shape some of the things that I'm interested in that I've done in my, you know, community service, that whether it's, you know, helping to work towards creating equal access to early childhood education. I don't know what if you had that same sense of, you know, you know, low expectations for shared resources or, you know, a sense that you're not entitled to this stuff as we grew up. I Yeah, I go ahead, Liz. I definitely had the sense that like you were you were responsible for yourself. That's the way I think about it. You know, no one was going to hand you stuff. No one was going to make your path any easier. Though, obviously, you know, as you say, we were very lucky to come to the family we did and get the education we did. So that's the path that gets created. But other than that, I think there was a sense of uh, independence and that you needed to find your own way. Um, I always joked about how, you know, 
mom would pretty much let us do anything as long as we had a ride, (laughs) as long as as we had our own transportation, you know, like if she didn't have to drive us, fine, do whatever you want. So like when we were like tweens, we lived outside of New York City, like, you know, they'd let us take the train into New York and do whatever we want in New York City all day and take the train home. And most of our friends were not really encouraged to do that. So I think of it that way, that there's a sense of independence that came from that. Yeah, I Julie, I agree that this idea that we learned really inherently that the world is not fair, it does mm-hmm. not d- divvy mm-hmm. up equally, yep. is really important to me. I I, yes. I feel like I've you know gone back to that well over and over and over again. That sometimes you don't get what you want, you don't get right. half. And I I do see I, I have some people in my life that their world was very carefully structured, so everything was split in half evenly. I don't think it served them that well, you know, truthfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I. This idea like, well, I didn't get it this time. Maybe I'll get the pork chop next time. That seems fine. I'm just going to move on with my life. I think that's definitely something, um, definitely something I've been aware of. And the idea of this idea of privilege that um, it wasn't even really talked about 20 years ago. It was talked about in a different way. So I can sort of definitely think about my place in the world differently now based on that. Right. We had two parents. We had a home. We had food. Yes. We had right. you know, great public schools where we went to school, where we went. Uh, and, you know, somehow we could all get summer jobs, even though we only had the one moped. We could all earn our own place in the world was <laughs> yeah. was yeah. really valuable right. for later right. work, work, uh, you know, work ethic, things like that. So good. OK. Good one. Yeah. Good Someday, one. all right. Keep it in mind. That will be yours. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so moving on, I have um, some writing I did in the book uh, entitled "The Immutable Laws of Liz." And when I went back and reread this, Leon, you assigned me to go back and read this. It really made me laugh out loud because yes. I, it's so true. I, like it's still true. the The idea of this essay was that I was trying to find the true source of stress in my life. You know, was it work? Was it life? Was it news? Was it this? And I realized the number one source of stress in my life was me, you know, was having (laughs) expectations for myself. (laughs) That it was either things that I wanted to change and never would or not accepting the things that will always be true about myself. So I just made a little list of, you know, Three things that will never be true about me and three things that will always be true about me. So the first thing I want to say is that, you know, now we're often told that, you know, change is important, change and growth and embrace change. But I would also recommend that you should also embrace the things you're never going to change because (laughs) you might as well just call it early in life. Just call it. And then you can change some other things that are mutable. And chances are you have some immutable uh, facts about yourself. So just looking back on the three things that will always be true. Oh, my God. These are not only are they still true. They are more true than ever. And that's this <laughs> so number one, all, all the Satellite Sisters know this. The number one I put, I will always be early. It yep. is it is still true. It was true then. It's true when we were kids. It's true now. And you think that would be an easy thing to change. It is so hard to change that. It is so You just can't <laughs> stand yourself if you're sitting at home waiting to go somewhere you need to go. And finally, you're just like, oh, just go. Just go. Just, just, <laughs> you know, or if you arrive at your friend's house early for 
dinner, so you're parked around the block, just uh, listening to a podcast, trying to kill time, because you're already there, because you're so early. So, um, so, yeah. So, okay. I'm an early girl. There you have it. Immutable. Uh, number two, I will always be the one in any meeting to ask, could we move on to the next item on the agenda? <laughs> I can vouch for that. I've been in meetings with Liz Dolan. That is true. Yes. It's just... And I just want to say about myself, in my own defense, it's not that I'm impatient. It's that I know there are people in the room who just want to keep talking. And there's really no point in that. You know, they just, you know. Well, you are impatient. I mean, come on. Are. Okay. I, I mean, you I, get it. You get you get the idea and you want to move on. And okay. It's All right. impatient with others who are still uh, wrapping their heads around the new idea, Liz. Okay. okay. All right. Well, okay. Maybe true. But it is because I you conduct a lot of meetings on Zoom now, not so much our stuff that we do because we know how to do this together. But, you know, other groups of people that I work with and on Zoom, it's even harder to get people to like move along because you can't like give them that look like, OK, time to ramp that up. It's just it's harder to kick them under the table or just cross your arms over your chest and send the signal. OK, next subject. Anyway. um. Yeah, I still, whenever I'm in any kind of meeting, I'm like, okay, I think we've covered this. Um, okay, now this next one, the third one is actually spooky true. And uh, number three says, I will always drive my car until the tank gets to dead empty. I hate getting gas. Okay. Oh. That's a little spooky. Wow. Because I know, right? <laughs> Did you so, really write that? Wow. I really wrote this in 2000. Uh, so many listeners will know that a couple of years ago, when I was getting gas on a long drive home from Oregon, I I took a bad fall at the gas station, I crushed my left leg, and I've been paying the price for it ever since. So when I looked back at this, and I thought, I hate getting gas. Yeah, uh, no kidding. Yeah, I'm talking about things that are more true than ever. Gas stations, not my thing. I, I realized I'm obviously the number one um, target consumer for an electric car. That's what I need. I think I just need to move on. And, and that is true, Liz. That's yeah. 100% true. And, yeah. yeah. But remember, like we can see you as an early ado adopter of one of those. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you still have to go to a charging station, Liz. So there's that. Okay. Not if I could get one in my garage at home, but you know, I've already mentioned. We <laughs> don't, have, go, don't go we into have, that. We have the HOA issue where I know we will never be able to install chargers in our in our garage because we will never be able to just talk about it. Anyway, so three things that will always be true. There you have it. More true than ever. Change is not always the best the best thing to do. Sometimes you just need to accept what will never change about you. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, now I have to talk about birth order, right? Because again, something we've talked a lot about on Satellite Sisters over the years, but maybe recently it moved away from, but we get constant questions about it. And, uh, you know, I think there is a, a, a quality of 
living in, you know, growing into your own birth order, like just accepting the role you have and going along with it. But then there are other actual reasons why firstborns and middle kids and youngest kids are uh, are different. A lot of that has to do with parenting time, parenting resources, things like that. Uh, maybe your older brother's pummeling you, you know, over and over and over again. Those are all things that shape your personality. <laughs> so I wanted to just review some of the traits because we have a firstborn daughter here. So, and then we have a middle and then I'm the youngest. Uh, I found a really good article on parents.com uh, and it has been medically reviewed by a doctor. So it's not just okay. somebody's, okay, okay, just one. There's some facts right. here. There's some All facts. right. All right. We'll see. <laughs> All right. And then we're going to we'll, talk briefly about only children, which is just a, a just that I don't even know what that's like. Um, <laughs> all right. So firstborn traits. Julie, will you accept being called a firstborn even though you're the firstborn girl? Yes. Yes. Okay. I accept that. Yes. Okay. So it says here the firstborns tend to bask in their parents' presence, which may explain why they sometimes act like mini adults. And that, Julie, for... Growing up, people used to call you little mother. So there's little mother, yes. They would <laughs> and, not, and that wasn't that was not a compliment. Okay. They taunted me with that title. Okay, carry on. All right. So here you go. Traits of firstborn, reliable, mm -hmm. conscientious, mm -hmm. true, structured, yep, cautious, mm, yeah, a, a, yep. a tree achievers. Yeah. Yes. And then controlling. That's your it's not all great. It's a little bit a little bit controlling. So uh, well, I try to control you, but that hasn't worked. <laughs> so, that, <laughs> so so that's what I would say about that trait. There you have it. Yeah. Um, so one of your challenges is that because you were a firstborn, your parents did give you a lot of responsibilities at home. Hence, hence the negative nickname, little mother. So uh, yeah. <laughs> So there you go. It can be an extra stressor on you, Julie. So thank you for all the great work you did yes, uh, growing you. up. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Pushed you around in that stroller a lot, like <laughs> just, just saying. Okay. All right. Liz, here's the middle child personality traits. And this does seem a lot like you. Uh, a lot of times your personality traits are based, you're sort of playing off your older siblings. And in this case, that's probably true. It's a lot of what you said about sense of self. Like people had already grabbed a few key, you know, personality traits, the two uh -huh. older brothers and Julie. So you went and found your own product differentiation. So yes. middle children tend to possess the following. Uh, people pleasers, okay, somewhat, yeah. somewhat rebellious, mm -hmm. uh, thrives mm -hmm. on friendships. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Has a large so social circle. True. Yeah, true. And peacemaker. I think that is true. Yep. I think that is true. I would agree with that about you. Yes. Right. Yep. Yes. Okay. Um, they, what, are the, what are the unattractive traits I have? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, um, you know, yours is not. Yours doesn't have too many unattractive traits. Although it does say, like one of the one of the problems is that you know they do feel like they are not valued because they do get lost in the shuffle. They get left out and lost in the shuffle. Mm -hmm. Also, um, you don't get the same cognitive support as firstborn children because, you know, that's, they're too busy and tired to like read you books and things like oh. that. <laughs> um, it does say here, and I'm going to take issue with this, that middleborns tend to be go with the flow types. And I yeah. just don't feel like that's your personality. I think yeah. as you've just proven, you're the first yes. one to say, let's move on in a meeting. So, <laughs> all right. And, and famously, I'm always the one to try to rewrite the show flow yeah. when we're out working with other people. <laughs> right. Not on Satellite Sisters, but yes. Okay, you're right. 
All right. That, fair enough. I, I would accept those those traits in general. How about, right. how, how about the baby? Uh, okay, okay, so the baby, you know, tends to be uh, most free-spirited because of the parent's laissez-faire attitude. <laughs> I, yes. I think that's generous, frankly, <laughs> laissez-faire. But um, <laughs> all right. So traits of the youngest child, fun-loving, uncomplicated, mm-hmm. outgoing, mm-hmm. attention-seeking, starts yes. to get more and more negative here, uh, <laughs> self-centered and manipulative. And I, I think that's hard. Oh, I don't think, I, I don't think you're manipulative. Yeah. No, I don't think I'm manipulative either. No. Uh, so it says that, um, like some babies learn to use their role as the baby to manipulate others. But I always say that I was a baby that was never babied. Like yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I got that special. Ooh, let's dress her up. She's the baby treatment. Oh, you got some Winnie the Pooh birthday parties. Those were pretty good. <laughs> okay. Hot chocolate ice skating parties. That's oh, true. You got some stuff there. You, you I didn't okay. even get my own birthday party. Okay. I, you know, right. where I just so I had to mind. share my birthday party with three cousins. So. Okay. I was batch birthday party girl. <laughs> All right. But so I, well, Lee and I would say also you're not you really didn't have the chance to manipulate us because as we've established earlier, just not paying that much attention to you. Right. Yeah. So Yeah. I I would okay. say I would say that's true, Liz. I would say that's true. And I, I I would also say like getting a birthday party doesn't really seem like special treatment. <laughs> it was. So, well, just it was bland. It was. <laughs> okay. All right. Then if you're an only child out there, here are your only child personality traits. So again, no siblings to compete with. You you have the, the parents' full attention. You have resources. So they tend to be mature for their age, perfectionist, conscientious, diligent, and leaders. That's great. That sounds nice. Uh, All right. So some general thoughts on that. And now let's get to some specifics about my personal origins. Talk about a sense of self. So I told you this summer, I started finally to fill out our ancestry.com tree, right? Our family tree. Mm -hmm. And the big surprises was that our mother, who we always always identified as German and uh, rejected basically the Irish heritage of our father, she turned out to be a lot more Irish than uh, than we thought based on the family tree. Like we mm-hmm. dug up Irish grandmothers, for instance, that we were never told about. Um, so I, I definitely succumbed. I decided to do the actual DNA test to see, well, okay, what is my genetic makeup in terms of where I'm from? Now, I'll admit, I don't really know that much about DNA. And uh, I... <laughs> I should say that it's particularly bad because I did write a book called The Sweeney Sisters based on DNA. So um, I'm sorry that I didn't do more research. On but that it was book. it was fiction. It was fiction. <laughs> okay. So what was interesting to me was that um, you get 50% of your DNA from your mother and 50% of the DNA from your father. But I thought it was like a cross section of their DNA. You know what I mean? Like you got all of their DNA just in a 50, 50% of it. But yeah. no, you, every one of us gets a different 50% of mom and dad's DNA. So my DNA and my ancestral heritage is going to look different than yours, Julie, and yours, mm-hmm. Mrs., even though we have mm-hmm. the same parents. Did you guys know that? Well, it would seem to make sense. Like we didn't come out as the same people. So no, I know, but I just <laughs> you okay. would think your ancestry would be the same, even yeah. if your personalities were different, <laughs> yeah. right? Okay. But those are the immutable facts. 
But okay, no, sure. I get it. Okay. Then you get different okay, different strains of mom and dad. Right. You get yeah. different strains of mom and dad. So for instance, I have zero Germanic ancestry wow. in me. None oh. in my DNA. Now, I, Leanne, I'm just going to ask you, as the youngest of eight, do you think mom and dad's uh, DNA sort of like got weaker with the eight kids? Like, And the reason why you don't have that is they just ran out of that kind of DNA, you know? it's Well, I can tell you this. I know I had got bad teeth because she was out of calcium. I, yeah. I Okay. 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 I do hold her against that. That again. I just know we have listeners who are hearing this who are experts on DNA. Yeah. You're going to be howling at uh, at how stupid at I am. The, at the No, the conclusions we are jumping to. But yeah, I think the DNA thinned out. I'm with Julie. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pleased with my results. I have no problem. I'm 84% Irish. Uh-huh. 84%, very high percentage. Uh then the other tiny percentages that are left are England nor- and Northwest Europe. So that is, again, not Germany. That's England. Yeah. A little bit of Scottish uh-huh. and then a little bit of Swedish and Denmark because apparently anybody with my DNA has that in it because of the Vikings. Oh, the, okay. A, a, and <laughs> the, the Viking I, factor. Okay. Yeah. Right. Viking factor. And then I have the tiny, tiniest percentage of DNA that has been affected by Cape Cod. What? <laughs> Wait. What? How is that what? possible? That they just, you had a lot of, they said a lot of New England relatives and we, you know, wow. for generations and we find this little piece of you has been affected by Cape Cod. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I love that. I, I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. So, so you're a real American. I'm a real American and I'm a real Irish American. That's it. Yeah. There's no Germanic. I don't have any German in me at all. Whereas, you know, mom have you does. told your husband this because you, <laughs> I you, know you guys are posing as a German American family. You've been doing it for decades. I know. So. I mean, I don't know. Does this mean I shouldn't get stolen at Christmas and the no. pumpernickel bread? Stop I mean, with the sauerkraut. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> okay. It's fascinating, though. Isn't it? Leon, did you put yourself in the pool where they also connect you to other family members out there? Because when I did 23andMe, I didn't check that box. I just wanted to know about me. I didn't want to know who's related to me. But did you find relatives? I did. I put it in the non-public pool. Like oh. I, my name and tree aren't out there. Uh, so, you know, so some privacy. So right away I was connected to two known first cousins. So that's how I was like, oh, okay, they got this right. And then like another 1600 people who are allegedly second, third, fourth cousin. I'm just not that interested in going down, um, going down that path, but, uh, it was sort of fun. It was sort of fun. Now, the other thing they can do is traits. So Liz, I know you, um, you had this when you did the ancestry mm-hmm. certain traits. I, yeah. So I test like off the charts, a hundred percent a DNA trait for two things that they test for, and it really made me laugh. The first is I like to dance, and it's <gasps> like a hundred percent I like to really? dance. Really? Are yeah. you kidding? Well, that's yeah. true. Wow, Leanne, that's interesting. <laughs> that's great because <laughs> that could not be more true. Yeah. Mutable law of Leanne. Yes. And then the second thing is. I sneeze a lot. <laughs> okay. Sneezer. Wow. It just says it. Sneezer. Dancer. This, this DNA. There's really something to this DNA. <laughs> I, I don't believe those last two traits. <laughs> that seems fishy to me. But but it's true. 
And then the third one that just made me laugh, it was like asked in a formal question, like, are you a sprinter or, you know, a, like a, a plotter? I was like, oh, plotter. Yeah, 100% DNA plotter. Yes, I have no sprinting genes in me whatsoever. I am just low and slow. So there you go. <laughs> so fascinating. Just so anyway. fascinating. Now I want you guys to do your DNA to see who got the German, who got it. Where, where is it? It's up at the top of the birth order. You know, it's... <laughs> 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 all right, yeah, stay with us. It. Our older brothers are German and Viking. That was yeah. that's how I would describe their behavior when we were children. <laughs> but just a, a tiny touch of Cape Cod, just a touch. <laughs> that accounts for the cranberries, people. I was going to say yes. No, all right, stay with us. When we get back, we're going to review some fashion forward moments and uh, some of our most important albums that we ever listened to. We're the Satellite Sisters. Liz, summer is coming up, and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling there with your your butcher box. What what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in in Bend for a part of the summer, I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what what I'm recommending. (laughs) Either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy to find high quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. No antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. It's Liz. We are back. And you know, as long as we're talking about sense of self today, I wanted to reflect back on our recent episode uh, with MEA, the world's first midlife wisdom school, about how to handle big transitions in our lives. Because I think, don't you think, sisters, that so much of that has to do with really knowing yourself and what you want? What do you want to get out of these big changes? So I encourage everyone, if you haven't listened to that episode, the special episode is entitled Wisdom, Transitions, and the Power of Being Together, and it was published on October 31st. And we got lots of good feedback from listeners, and so definitely give it a try. And I'll put a link to that special episode in the show notes. Great. 
All right. Thanks, Liz. Yeah, that was, I really enjoyed it. I was not in on that um, particular podcast. I enjoyed listening to it. So it was if you haven't one. listened to that one, it's, totally, yeah. it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, okay. Just to wind down our sense of self in the book, uh, Uncommon Senses, we, you know, we patted ourselves on the back for a few of our fashion forward moments. So these were 20 years ago. Um, but I thought we could review uh, what our fashion forward moments were and if we've had any since we've written the book. Jewel, what do you think? Your fashion forward moment. You know, I was reflecting uh, on my life and all of the items of clothing I've ever, I've bought over my life. And the number one item, the uh, one item that gave me the most joy, the most thrill, the best sense of power of, I don't know, of life was a red maxi coat. Okay, that I wore in high school. It mm -hmm. was one of the first long coats. It was red. I have such a, a memory of walking into school with my red maxi coat on over my school uniform. And I don't think I've ever felt as good about a piece of clothing <laughs> in my entire life. I still feel yes. that way. Like yes. more than my wedding dress, that red maxi coat. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It was a powerful statement. Uh, yeah, I talked about sense of self, putting yourself out there, red maxi coat. That was, yeah, very fashion forward, Julie. <laughs> All right. Well, in the book, I identified that my, um, at the time, my A number one um, fashion forward moment was when I arrived in high school with the first pair of Sassoon baggy jeans. And that was in 1981. It was a strong statement uh, against the skin tight Calvins that were everyone else was wearing. Liz, you took me to Lord and Taylor and you said, oh, these are trendy. You should get these. So the first day I walked in with those baggy jeans, I, I felt like you did in that maxi coat, Julie. I felt like I was causing a ruckus. I think since then, I would look at two other things that... Um, I continue to give me pleasure when I think about them, when I review them, when I look at them. Uh, I did buy a leather backpack in 1983 that I took to college. And I was the only person, I think, in California at the time that had a leather backpack. It was even backpacks weren't a big deal in uh -huh. 1983. Uh, I get more compliments on that leather backpack over the next 10 years of my life than any single piece of, of uh, accessory I've ever worn. And then I do look at my wedding dress and think, no notes, no complaints. Loved it. Would wear it again today. It was a short dress. It was lace. It was just a beautiful sheath. It was, it was perfect. It was you. perfect for you. Yes. yes. It was. It was, it was. At no point did I consider wearing a long dress. It never occurred to me to get a long dress. That wasn't my thing. I did think maybe at one point I should wear um, a white pantsuit. Uh Oh, so I oh, tried oh, one of those oh. on, and I looked. Um, I'm glad, glad you talked yourself out of. I look like a reject. Yeah, Ooh, I look. <laughs> I look like Crystal Carrington is all I can say. It was not a good look for me. <laughs> so then we saw this one wedding dress. Mom and I. That was it. I tried on one dress. I bought it. No regrets. Still love it. Still love that wedding dress. Liz, how about you? Okay. Well, I mean, thinking back. Uh, my go-to, I th throughout the entire 80s, I wore a black one-piece jumpsuit. And that's, you know, I was a poorly paid working girl in New York City, you know, so going out at night, you, I, that's the, that was my go-to, black one-piece jumpsuit. I got a lot of mileage out of that. Uh, but I think that my most fashion-forward moment, like in the last couple of decades, might have been 
at the Satellite Sisters Big Fun Weekend. I'm telling you that silver sparkly caftan. I know all three of us were wearing them. But for me to be in public in a silver sparkly caftan, that was quite a statement. (laughs) I'm sure listeners have seen the pictures. If you haven't, check it out. They're they're in the Facebook group, on the website. Uh, But here's a little secret about the silver sparkly caftan that I haven't told anyone. the next morning, we were in Minneapolis when I got up and I went to the closet to get what I was going to wear on Sunday morning. I had hung up the silver sparkly caftan and I noticed that the tag was still on it. Like under my <laughs> arm, there was still a tag, which means I danced my full head off all night the night before. How many of you people saw the fact that my caftan still had a tag on and didn't tell me? Just That's too so not. Too nice to tell me, so I guess I could still return it. Julie, I know, is from a store that you frequent, but anyway. <laughs> no, no, I don't frequent, Liz. That was a one, one and done kind of operation there. Bloody love, yes. But, but there's something about going out in public in something you never could have imagined yourself wearing that is actually very empowering. So I love it. Silver sparkly caftan, that was a fashion-forward moment. Great. That's a good list. That's a good list. All right. Now we're going to move on to most influential albums, of course. Um, you know, remember, we all grew up in the same household, but there's an age difference. The 70s music, very important to you guys. 80s music, more important to me. So, Julie, why don't we start with you as the oldest? Okay. okay. And, it was um, a tr- the leader. Tri- the, leader. the leader. Yes. The old, <laughs> the triumphant has to be Carol King Tapestry, Joni Mitchell Blue, and then Bonnie Raitt taking my time or sweet forgiveness. I mean, these three girls just kept spinning around in my world. Uh, I loved it. I did spend some time playing the Beatles White Album backwards to get the <laughs> hidden messages. Okay, I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. But uh, but I would, but Carol, Joni, and Bonnie, thank you very much. They still continue to give me great pleasure. Yeah. So are you satisfied now, Julie, that Paul was not dead? Is he that, was, I, think, yes. I think he's proven over the years not dead. Right. right. <laughs> All right, Liz, how about you? Let's go in age order. Uh, well, I know that in the book, I put Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young collectively and anyone, anything by any of them individually. Yeah. Uh, but if I was redoing that list now, well, first of all, you know, Prince has to be on the list. So I would put Prince, Sign of the Times, 1987. Especially now that I've been to Paisley Park and seen where it was recorded and all of that and where he shot the movie. So Prince, number one. Uh, Number two, I would put Bruce Springsteen, The Rising. Mm -hmm. So that came out the summer of 2002. I saw him, I think, two or three times on The Rising tour, at least. But remember, that was a great post-9-11 album. Yeah. Just, like, really life-changing. And then I would go back to... Joni Mitchell Blue, because as you've heard, I've been this fall I've been taking a class on the six finest albums of Joni Mitchell. And of course, her masterwork, as Julie already mentioned, was blue. So I'm very happy to have Joni Mitchell's Blue uh back in my life. How about you? It, it should be noted that in the book, both Sheila and Monica picked blue as well. Uh, so yes. four out of five Dolan sisters yes. recommend <laughs> blue. But I mean, because Sheila and Monica picked it, that's why I didn't pick it in the book, Leah. Yeah. You know, had to had to go another way. <laughs> so you're reclaiming it now, reclaiming yes. it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're not on the show anymore. I can, you know, we, <laughs> we still can do whatever two, we want. Yeah. We still have two out of three, though, claiming it. 
<laughs> All right. Well, in the book I picked, uh, Elvis Costello, My Aim is True, because that was like the first album in the 80s that I really thought, what is happening here? This is a completely different sound. And I just have absolutely zero regrets over my love of Madonna, which will be lifelong. I don't want to yeah. hear anything bad about Madonna. The Talking Heads have always loved, continue to love okay. them, happy to see them back. And you too. Sorry, mm -hmm. no apologies there. You too is my Bruce Springsteen. So love mm -hmm. them. But mm -hmm. I would just gonna give a lot of credit to Spotify for helping to keep me current on uh, on music because it's really easy. There was a lot of changes in technology. You know, we went from albums, then we went to CDs, and yeah. then what was happening? And until Cassettes. yeah, until Spotify, Spotify came along, you were like, "Am I gonna go out and buy all these new CDs for all these bands?" I sort of know. I, I had kids. I was working six days a week. I couldn't keep up with new music, and that was bumming me out that I was only listening to oldies. So big shout out to Spotify for just keeping me current. Love the list. Love the recommendations. It's a whole new wave of great singer-songwriters out there, some great pop music out there. I just, I just enjoy it. So for me, I know Spotify isn't an album, but it is a service that I love. <laughs> no, that that's good. I think it's I'll, a good point, Leanne, yeah, yeah, about how to yeah. stay current. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Just, I'll just note that one of my original picks, Neil Young, and one of my current picks, Joni Mitchell, do not allow their music on Spotify. So yes. that's the rebellious streak. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> they're, they're trying to push back against the man. So, and yeah. they're still at it. Still at yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've, I have thoughts on that, but maybe another show. Uh, <laughs> all right. This was fun. That was our sense of self. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Thoughts on the show. You can always find us at Facebook. We still have a very active Satellite Sisters Facebook group there. You do need to answer a couple of questions, but join us. A lot of conversation. We're on Instagram at Sat Sisters. Um, we don't really go on to that other site anymore. So it's just Instagram. Yeah. And we're Facebook. on threads. We're at Sat Sisters on threads. Oh, we're on threads. Okay. Yeah. We're on threads. And uh, also YouTube. Liz Liz mans the YouTube station. And uh, so. yeah. it's a channel, Leah, not a station. You know. <laughs> Not yet. It's all yours. It's all yeah. yours, Liz. Uh, all right. Next week on Satellite Sisters, we're going to be talking about the sense of humor. Uh, so we just had a lot of fun reviewing some of the stuff from the book there, including the essay, Men Stink, and other lessons we learned from our brothers. So we'll be going over that one. A big thanks to our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. Thank you, Sergio. And to Emily Borgine, who does the graphics for Satellite Sisters. Thanks, Emily. Um, we'd like to thank um, our ad sales team at True Native and all our sponsors. Thanks so much. Um, all right, our to-do list. Jewel, what do you got? Well, I am channeling Julie Andrews, Queen of Genovia from the Princess Diaries for the upcoming grandparents events that I have going on this week. You know, this is a big week uh, uh, for those kind of things. So I'm working on my Queen of Genovia outfit <laughs> to wear. Uh, and so, you know, she's been a very important role model to me in as a grandmother. I always, when I, I try to uh, embody her grace and her poise when I'm at uh, attending any grandparent event. But I have to say, you know, I had different role models and different points in my life. Certainly, Mary Tyler Moore was my first role model when I worked for U.S. Steel in a steel mill. I was like, what would Mary do? What would Mary <laughs> say to Lou Grant at this moment? And then, of course, I wanted to be Diane Sawyers for a while, but that's yeah. passed. Yeah. So yeah. now, Queen of Genovia, I I'm on, Okay. I think that was a long choice, Julie. Okay. <laughs> I had no idea you you looked at you looked to the Queen of Gen Genova, yeah, with yes. your 
<laughs> really enlightening. Okay. All right. Well, mine is much more down to earth. It's it's Thanksgiving next week. I am hosting a small group, but here's what's happened in the last month. They have moved every single thing in my grocery store, you know, okay. over the course of the month. So every time you walk in, it's a different aisle. It's a different aisle. Oh, it wow. seems to be a different mindset. I don't know what the message they're <laughs> trying to send me. I used to just be able to go in. It would take me like 15 minutes. I just went around the outside, gathered everything I needed and went to the went to the checkout. Now it's just, I don't know why the cheese is in the middle aisle. What's happening there? Why are the, the salad dressings over on the far left? I just, why is all the wine behind cases? I don't get it anymore. So, um, wow. so I'm just going to have to go back over and over again because I'm struggling to like fulfill my list because I have to relearn the whole grocery store. So Good luck, Leanne. Hope maybe you. take some pictures. Take some pictures of the aisles so that you can study. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Liz. Well, um, I'm so lucky. I'm so happy that the number one item on my to-do list is something that I don't have to do. I'm very happy. <laughs> Tomorrow I was supposed to fly to New York. I'm on the board of a company. Really? Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm on the board of directors of a company that's in Norwalk, Connecticut. And all of our meetings, our, most of our meetings because of the pandemic, have been held remotely, you know, which is great. But now we're trying to get back into let's have meetings face to face. I was like, oh, God. Oh, I'm, I'm wow. The week before Thanksgiving, I need to fly to New York and get myself out to Connecticut. And then I was so I, I wasn't looking forward to it, but I was, you know, I would have happily gone, of course. But last week I got the email that you just wait for in these situations. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to move the meeting to remote. Ooh, sad face. That's too bad. <laughs> I, I was just so relieved. So anyway, I still have the meeting on Thursday, but I don't have to fly there on Wednesday and fly home on Friday. So very happy about that. <laughs> great news, Liz. <laughs> That's great. All right, sisters, this was fun. Have a great week. Liz, enjoy staying home. Julie, good good luck with everything there. Uh, <laughs> you too, Liam. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. <laughs>